Oh, yeah. What is going on, Sell Anywhere listeners? You are the people who you lead from a different code. You sell from a different code. You coach from a different code. You live from a different code, and that is not your zip code. We know that if we can sell anywhere, we can sell everywhere. And you're going to love who I'm bringing on today. Uh, a, a lot of people ask me, Donnie, how can I become nomadic? How can I jump into this thing and really enable myself to uh, to be anywhere, to do this journey, start this journey? I, I, we're going to be talking to someone who actually helps people to take that step into the journey. And uh, so if you're a salesperson, like tune into that. For those of you who are leaders, he is going to give you the ins and the outs of, of what's going on with interviewing, onboarding, and actually properly hiring people because he's seen it all. He's been around the block and uh, he's been, been down some uh, some dark alleys that you probably don't want to go down. So um, welcome to the show, Joseph Fung. Welcome, brother. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you for having me here. I can't wait for today's conversation. Yeah, we're gonna see what what pops out. Like it's like a jack in the box. You you, you turn it and you never woo, you never know what's gonna come out here. All right, so this is the Sell Anywhere podcast. I need to know from you, brother, where are you at right now? In Canada, Kitchener, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. So having enjoying the fall season turning into winter. Man, I wish I was somewhere warmer right now. Love it, love it, love it. And so um, I'm looking behind you. Is this a home office? Is this a work office? Because it looks like there is a, a, a lot of fun in the environment behind you, dude. It, it is a home office and a wonderful, wonderful painting from a, a brilliant artist in Miami that says, do what you love. And I love what I'm doing. So it's perfect for me. Do what you love. We're going to start there, dude. Um, what does Joseph Fung love? Oh, my goodness. I... I am so fortunate to be running a company where I get to help my team members do amazing work, but every day we get to help people launch and grow amazing careers and helping people do their best work is what I love. And I get to do that every day. You know, how can I complain? Love it. Uh, talk to us about the entrepreneur's journey. So you, um, you do have a podcast. I, I definitely want to invite others into uh, that with you. I love even the name of it, the seller's journey. So we want to um, invite those of you who are sell anywhere listeners going over and check out the seller's journey. I want to hear about that. But, but Joseph, you, you are someone who has taken this entrepreneurial startup journey uh, more than one time, mm -hmm. back and forth and back and forth. You've worn this path down. Um, what's up with that? Is that like, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about where you're at right now. And um, maybe a little bit of that entrepreneurial journey along uh, the way. It's funny. My, my family would say I have trouble pinning down a job, so I keep founding companies. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to think about it that I like solving problems, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick my reason for it. Um, no, I've been, I've been really lucky. I, I love building things, so done a lot of you know, build software, turn it into a company, scale the business, sold a couple. Uh, this one's a little bit different where we're taking all of the lessons that we've learned. It's the same founding team. We're back at it again and trying to help, uh, A, help companies, you know, build really successful revenue teams, but at the same time, help a segment of the population who's been left behind by a lot of the growth in technology and help them become really successful sales reps, customer success professionals, account managers, and benefit from the growth in tech that really hasn't been as as equal as it could be uh, 
So in many ways, we think about ourselves as kind of great equalizers, uh, but it means opening doors that have been closed for a lot of people. Uh, and that's really, really fun. Uh, seller's journey, I think, is a good dovetail with that. We tell the stories of people who have been successful sales reps, and they come from all over. <laughs> We've interviewed you know, recent immigrants, uh, chemists who turned into sales reps, physicians who became sales reps, people who walked into the wrong interview and got the job as a sales rep. Uh, so... Yeah, the fact that people come from all walks of life and can succeed is is really true. And we like highlighting that in our podcast. I love it. Um, for those of you who are who are you're in sales and maybe you're not as in love with what you're selling, as you can tell that Joseph is, I want to encourage you to go and find your noble cause. And a part of a noble cause is serving someone that you love. And I heard you tell us that you're an equalizer for those who may have been left behind. Can you, um, can you tell us how you do that? Man, so much of it is, uh, there's a lot of hard work in it. You know, I won't lie. We share a lot of information. The programs that we run are really in depth. There's a lot of practice. Sometimes though, it's also just sharing those little insights that folks don't know. So a really good example. Uh, one of our earliest members came in and when we asked him, you know, what, why did you join Yavaro? What did you want to get out of it? He, he said, I would love and I can't wait to get an SAAS job. And for those who are listening and, and don't know the software industry, software as a service, SAAS, but we usually say SaaS. And when I was telling a VP of sales about that, like, hey, this guy has been selling door to door in northern Canadian cities, uh, selling security solutions in small communities. Like this is not an easy gig. He's got the grit. He really joined your team. Uh, and I shared that anecdote, uh, that VP of sales turned back and goes, SAAS. If he said that in the first interview, there wouldn't be a second one. Right. Right. Like what? And the reality is there are, there's a lot of assumptions, a lot of lazy thinking in hiring that happens. And so a lot of our work is often just sharing the lingo, the tools. How do you avoid making that kind of mistake? so that they can focus on you, not your acronyms. All right, I love it. So, um, so you help uh, both, you, you help tech companies and you help people who are prospective um, sellers for those tech companies. And we're gonna look, I'm gonna flip a coin. This is the Memento Mori coin here. So we've got the, we, well, you know what, let me choose a better one. So there's a definite, I wanna heads or tails here. You know what? I'm going to take an old, uh, this is an old denarius. So, all right. So heads, um, you're going to talk about leadership and we're going to, we're going to take, we're going to take the, the bunny trail down, um, how to like what they're doing wrong, how we can do it better or tails. We're going to, we're going to talk to, uh, salespeople about how they can ramp into and have one of their, one of these dream jobs. You ready for the flip? Oh, giddy up. This is fun. All right. All right. Here we go. Boom. And we have. Head. So we are starting with the leader. So um, Emperor Antoninus uh, welcomes you into uh, into the conversation. Joseph, what are, what are we doing wrong? What are leaders doing wrong? And I think you mentioned one where we where we trip up on our own acronyms and we just act like this is the most important thing in the world. What what, what should we be looking for? I think a good way to think about it is a lot of sales leaders are they're trying to rely on pattern matching. They think about what's the sales rep that's worked in the past for them and how do they find someone like that? And 
I can't count the number of sales leaders who have told me, oh, I'm, I'm looking for a rep who is uh, a good team player. So maybe they did team sports in college. Uh, we do a lot of phone calling, so they've got to be really extroverted. Uh, and again, you know, we, we do a lot of commissions, so they've got to be highly competitive. Uh, that's what we need. Uh, and when you do that, uh, A, I mean, your, it, your team looks alike, uh, which has, has a different set of challenges. But the problem is you're not actually looking at the data. You know, you're not looking at, you know, the win rate, the close rate, what are the actual factors of success? And sales has changed, you know, with the use of all the tech we have, all the systems we have, you can measure things like, hey, I can use Gong and Donnie, I could listen to your sales calls and say, hey, do you speak 70% of the time or do you listen 70% of the time? Uh, we can use sales software. We could say, hey, Samantha, do your, your email subject lines get a better open rate or does someone else's? Uh, all these things. And... The funny part is if you look at the data and you look at the behaviors that are yielding success, you end up with a very different sales rep that you're hiring. And it's more diverse, which is nice. That, that's a great equalizer, but they're just more successful. Like the, that sales leader who says, this is what I'm looking for. That's the sales leader who tells me on the next call, oh yeah, we're hiring 10 reps this quarter and we know only half are going to make it. We're going to fire half of them. It's like, how do you say that and not realize you're doing something wrong? And yeah. Oh, and, and uh, yeah, I've actually I've run into people, Joseph, that uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll just say that their percentages are uh, way lower than that. And yeah. so really, really what you're playing is, is a you're, is a is a failing game. And there's a cost, right? There's a cost to doing it wrong. Huge. And, and the la I don't know if there's like if, if you've seen the, the latest financial uh, cost of what it actually, you know, to, to bring in. Uh, a good salesperson. I think it's somewhere between twenty to forty thousand is what you can expect out of pocket between turnover, hiring, training, resources, whatever. I don't like. Is there a figure to that or? Yeah. So, so if you take a look at the out of out of pocket money, so what you're going to spend on your advertising, your training time, your costs, uh, most measures end up somewhere in twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Depends a bit on your segment and the recruiters you work with, um, but the actual cost, the actual cost is that missed first year revenue. So, um, it, wow. you said it, you've spoken to some people who have worse numbers, but let's, let's use some averages, um, average business to business sales rep, uh, their average tenure is a year and a half. Uh, so that's, you know, pretty short. That's a lot of people getting let go pretty early. Uh, the average rep is attaining 60% of quota, uh, you know, pretty terrible. And the average ramp is eight months. Uh, that's a pretty abysmal first year. Uh, the real cost is what you could be getting out of them. You know, what mm. we see is yeah. we're seeing grads, professionals who are twice as likely to exceed quota. They're ramping in a third of the time. And the average B2B sales rep has a quota of about 750,000. Uh, so for anybody listening in, think about your own quotas and you can reference it and adjust accordingly. But at a $750,000 quota, that first year difference in sales is an additional 300,000 in revenue. Like that's the actual cost of a bad hire. You're missing 300 grand of sales in their first year. And like, wow, it, when, when you look at what you could be doing, that's a big gut punch, let alone what you pay to post the job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, so I'm, we're going to we're going to stay here for for a bit, Joseph. I want to I know how we can remedy this. But you mentioned something earlier and I've I've got to. um uh, you know, I've got to sing the same song. You know, the reality is, as we we tend to hire in our own image or 
we um, we hire with our with our gut, and I'm not saying that there is not an there is not an intelligence that goes along with that. There is, but you know, um, play team sports. Uh, literally, the the profile you read off was like, like isn't that everyone? Everyone pretty much reads the same profile. Must be outgoing, extroverted. Blah blah blah. Well, actually, the ambiverts or introverts even mm-hmm. are are actually better at selling because they're better at listening. They're better. At, there's there are other natural skills that they have. But um, how 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 can we how can we overcome the um, I don't know what you would call it in terms, but it, like the like the bias that I guess we we walk into a hiring process with. Yeah, a large so a large part of it is uh, getting a leader who's comfortable challenging their assumptions. Uh, so, and like numbers based or how do you like, what do you like, how do you, the first part is identifying that's happening, you know, so, and you'll hear this, you know, a leader gets out of an interview, uh, and, and they kind of make that noise. Like, you know, I'm not sure they just, they they don't sound like they're going to, they're going to succeed or, or I don't see them hitting quota. Those kind of like vague disqualifier statements. Uh, that's a really good indication that you're using a process that's not rigorous. You know, that's not kind of methodical. And you can do this anyway. You can use scorecards. You could use top grader interviews. You could do skills assessments. But you got to do something that's an, an equalizer. Um, but what you really need to do is you need to think through what makes your rep successful. And the reality is it's the same thing for every company. So this isn't anything that you have to do that's unique. Uh, first and foremost, evaluate how well that prospective employee can understand your customers. Again, it's not about how extroverted they are. It's like how empathetic they are and how much knowledge they have about those customers. Uh, so I'll give you a really good example. One of our members finished university, so has a bachelor's, uh, got into bartending, you know, because had to pay his debts, became a bar manager, restaurant manager, eight years in hospitality. You know, COVID hits, you know, you know as that goes. Uh, then landed a job selling scheduling software to bar managers and restaurant managers. Of course, he's crushing quota, outperforming sales reps who came from LinkedIn and from others because he knows that buyer. He can empathize with them. So measuring that. So it's, hey, do they already know that buyer or are they very empathetic? And there's a ton of ways to evaluate that. So that's that's number one. Um, The second thing is, can they stick to a process? You know, can they follow the sales methodology, the process your company has? Don't don't measure them on do they know gap or challenger or solution selling or spin selling? Because you're gonna change. <laughs> I mean, I've never I've never met a VP of sales that said, hey, we had the same methodology for, for 10 years. Uh, but if they can actually take and work a process, work a system, and hey, you know, people who are in travel, in hospitality, they were in these really tough, high volume jobs. They've really mastered that skill of like learn the process and then work the heck out of it. Those are some of the things you got to really do. Love it. Love it. Those are, those are some great uh, tips. So other than um, creating in our own image or uh, being biased towards what we're doing. And, and um, by the way, there's such a strength that comes to your team, a fullness that comes to your team when there's a diverse set of skills and personalities and all of those things that are there. It's like, you need, we need them all. We need them all. Um, what, 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 talk to me about the, the hiring process and the onboarding process. Where are leaders getting it wrong and what can we do better? So the hiring process, I've, I've kind of, I've hammered a lot on and there's a lot that they do get right. Sales actually is really good at this. Uh, most sales teams do some kind of role play. They, hey, 
whether it's that kitschy, sell me this pen, or <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to do a demo call. I mean, the idea of like do the work to validate it. Sales actually does that really well. Most other groups are pretty terrible at it. Um, like engineering is really tough at it. Finance is really mm. tough at it. Sales is actually really great at that. So kudos to the sales leaders to do this. Mm. Um, the reality though, is where sales but it bluntly sucks, they usually really suck is onboarding. And I'm going to be, yeah, you know, preaching to the converted already. I'm unsure for your audience in that most sales teams say something like, Hey, I'm going to bring in, you know, I'm going to bring in uh, Joni. I'm going to put her beside Amar and I'm going to say, Hey, sit, watch what Amar does and learn. And it's like, you know, trying to onboard through osmosis. So it's like, did you ever study for the exam by putting the textbook underneath your pillow? It's like, it, it works that well. And unless you can be really intentional about the, the skills, the steps and, and on onboard someone deliberately, um, you're not going to be able to scale and it's going to prevent you from bringing remote team members in different time zones, different locations. All but right. if you can onboard someone methodically, you can do that on site, remote, anywhere. And it is such a huge enabler because then you just right. get the best people regardless of what they are. Right, 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 right. So you're going to give us an example, Joseph, yeah. of something where you've seen that is that's scalable, that would work in a remote scenario. So by the way, a lot of, uh, I've, I've, I take a lot of questions, talk to a lot of people who are trying to, they're like, no, I need them in my office. And thank God the offices are open. Oh, they're closed. Oh, they're open. And now they're playing like the hopscotch game. But the reality is, is talent is everywhere. And if you weren't recruiting talent all over the nation before, you know, or, or you know, wherever, before COVID, um, you hopefully are now. But now we have the, the whole thing of how do we make them a part of our culture? And how do we? So bring me through. Uh, a successful example of what you've seen where that's scalable and it works with remote in terms of onboarding. What, what's what best practices? Cool. Uh, let me start from a concept level, you know, cause hey, I often hear leaders who expect, Hey, I've got this little cheat sheet that's going to solve it all. It's a big problem. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, a good way to think about it is do you onboard your customers remotely? Like, can you close them remotely? Can you get them set up with your, your software or your tools or your product while you're not on site? Uh, if you do that successfully, and then if you turn around and say, well, I can't possibly onboard someone remotely, it's a pretty big hypocritical statement. So you got to challenge yourself there. Uh, but then think about everything that goes into that. That's like the packaging, the onboarding, the documentation, the first tasks, the check-ins. It's a big deal. You got to think about onboarding your people with that level of gravitas. Um, so it's, it's not a simple thing, uh, but that's a good starting point. Uh, and I'll, I'll pick a really good example. One of the companies that uh, hired of our group, they build um, software to help you manage RFPs. You know, you, you get a security questionnaire and you get an RFP and they make it easy for you to answer those. Uh, the business software, uh, the company's based in Canada. They hire a sales rep out of New York, first New York hire, so fully remote, you know, cross-cultural, cross-location, um, but really, really thoughtful about what do they want day one to look like? What are the words, the language, the stories you need to get on the phone with customers so you can build rapport, you know, had them doing it the first time, checked in with them right after that, used software to simplify it. And you know, folks can go and shop and buy technology to do this, like sales off gong, things like that. Um, but really thought about it as an experience. Like, what do we want your first week, your first two weeks to be? And how do we know you're going to be successful 
not based on your sales numbers, but like, what are the activities that you've done? How many calls have you made? What have you got in the system? And your company already knows what it is because you know how you onboard your customers. You you can borrow those same types of measures and apply to your sales reps. Love it. Uh, Love it. Like, are there, so you mentioned sales loft. Um, have you, are there any technologies you've seen that have been able to assist, uh, others in doing this? I've, I've been raving about Trello, uh, ClickUp are, uh, are great for, at least in terms of seeing where things are moving. Obviously there are CRMs that you can see activities. There are, I like using Marco Polo for role play. So there's like all kinds of things. What, what have you seen that's been, um, helpful zoom, of course, to, totally. uh, you know, video conference, but so I'll give you, I'll give you two things. Um, the first one, totally hundred percent biased. So I'll call that out. Uh, I mean, we started our company building uh cheat sheet software playbooks. Uh, so kite, uh, I mean like look, so many tech companies, it's got a weird spelling K I I T E uh, dot AI free playbooks tool. So it's a free tool for anybody that can use it. And it lets you equip your team with cheat sheets. Uh, so super, super easy way to grab docs from your, your website, videos that you have, tutorials, give people a cheat sheet to get them set up for the different stages of their onboarding. Um, I mean, that's what we use. We have about 30,000 sales professionals who use it to run the processes every day. So that's a great tool. It's like giving your team a cheat sheet. That's uh, very multimedia and interactive. Um, but uh, I think part of what makes our playbooks really effective and it, you don't need to be using Kite to do this. You can do this anywhere. Is asynchronous video. So that'd be that category of Vidyard, my personal favorite, but there's also BombBomb, Loom, uh, Wistia, a bunch of them. Yes, you can use asynchronous video in your sales activities, and you should. It'll give you a better open rate on all your emails, better engagement. Uh, but for your internal comms, it's such a huge thing. Like the first time that you're saying, hey, Donnie, this is how you move a deal or qualify this just record it and then send Donnie the video. And now you've got it for everyone. And, and it, yeah. And, and you can yeah, always, always referenceable. Totally. Um, by the way, uh, the fun way to celebrate for those of you who are uh, running remote teams, I didn't realize that Giphy actually allowed you to record your own gifts of you. So first off, I love, I love the expression of, of a gift message. But, uh, Joseph, I've like, this is, I've been, my clients are all either they love me or they hate me. I don't know which one, but I'm driving them crazy (laughs) because, and so those who are listening, you are not going to be able to see, but I'm making crazy faces and I'm doing things like this and, you know, like, yeah, and and thumbs up. And like, this is what, those are the gifts they're getting. And it's me and it feels, it's, it's just, it's kitschy and cheesy, but it's also, listen, a part of culture is building connection and relationships. And a part of that is not always looking like you're in a starchy suit and tie, but you're a person. They're a person and we're people doing things together. That's why they call it a co-mission. And, um, and with that word commission, I'm going to turn over to <laughs> the other side of the coin. My friend, talk to me about the people who have been left behind. Talk to me about these salespeople. I love, um, I, like, like maybe and you can, you can sprinkle in, uh, what you guys do to help them out. But like, like j- just bring me to the place of like, I'm someone maybe I, I've never even sold. Maybe I'm a school teacher, but I'm like, gosh, like I want to do this adventuring thing. I want to be able to go. And, and as long as I have a strong internet connection, why not? Where do I start? Man, it is, it's so fun. Like that example you gave, we hear that every day. Um, I feel like you are actually stalking our customer stories for that one. One of the 
uh, one of the customers who comes to mind, she's got a doctorate. Uh, so a, incredible academic, brilliant mind. She landed a sales role uh, in, uh, actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't reveal because, uh, so let's say the, the southeastern part uh, of the, the U.S., uh, great role, uh, said she really needed to be somewhere warmer. So she moved somewhere tropical and uh, it was one of those, like, it's easier to to beg forgiveness than ask permission. So she just started showing up at her customer calls and her internal team meetings with, like, palm trees in the background. <laughs> she, was, she was somewhere not in the U.S., uh, but just crushing it, like, having an amazing time and really took, like, took control of her life. And it's funny because when we chat with her, she talks about the way she... She brings her analytical skills, her research skills to breaking down her sales problems, uh, you know, her pipeline challenges, the messaging that they use. And she, she's just very analytical. Uh, and every time she brings it up, the whole team is amazed. Like, oh my goodness, it's such an amazing insight. And it, it's really just taking her research and analytical skills and applying them. And uh, it, to your question, like, where do people start? I think uh, a lot of people set themselves up for failure because they undervalue what they already know. And they don't aim with enough focus. So we, we interview people all the time and we say, Hey, you know, what kind of experience do you have? And then they say something like, Oh no, no I don't, I don't really have any experience. And we're like, wait, wait, but you've got a PhD and you got like five right. years managing a restaurant with 20 shift workers. It, that's no experience. What? Uh, so they sell themselves short and then, and then they do stuff like they say, Hey tech, I want to be in tech. I know, I've, I love my Xbox, I know about LinkedIn, and I hear about <laughs> Slack on the news. Uh, so I'm gonna apply to, to Microsoft and Slack and LinkedIn. And, and if you're so pell-mell about it, there, it's just impossible to have a success rate. And mm -hmm. if you can take the time to uh, understand how your experience can apply to a business or a sector, and then aim at those businesses and those sectors, you're going to be so much more successful. And that's, that's a lot of what we teach. So how do you get that? How do you, how do you like, what would be an example of how you actually would help someone like that yeah. to rash it? By, by the way, the reason why I matched up with that is because that those are, those are my people. That's who we yeah. were. That's what we did for three years. So it's like, that's, that's why this exists. So what, what would, how would you um, help someone to recognize, call out the greatness that's in them and bring them to a place to where they actually had um, a translatable, whether it's verbiage, whether it's because uh, um, like so maybe talk to us a little bit about what, what what you do to kind of bring them to the readiness. Sure, um, we we tend to work on two different levels. So the first one is this kind of very easy matter of fact level, like the bar managers now selling to bar manager and restaurant managers. Uh, we start there because it's easy for people to understand. It's easy to express the examples, uh, and it helps people reframe their assumptions. They're like, oh my god, scheduling software? I never I never even thought about that. So. That's the first level we work at. And, and a lot of people see a ton of success just unlocking that because they recognize their own value in the work they're doing. Uh, the next level that we dig into is really, we try to help people understand uh, their why, their reason, what's motivating them, uh, what do they really love doing? And then we help develop the questions that they need to ask in interviews to actually get to that. Uh, so I'll, I'll make that real, a good example. Of, what was the, uh, the company I mentioned earlier, the one who hired in New York. I'll use them as an example. The, the person that they hired came into our program. Uh, his only job prior to joining our program was 20 years as a pastor. So he comes into our program looking to have a larger impact, find 
a, a, a larger audience and, and what his next future was going to be. And what he uncovered was that what he really loved doing was helping people realize their dreams. You know, and a, an enabler of dreams is really how he thought about himself and what he loved doing and, and in his work as a pastor. And what he uncovered with this company was that they sell mostly to entrepreneurs. And every conversation he has, he gets to chat with an entrepreneur and say, you used to do this really painfully. Did you know you can just do this automatically? Like this can actually be done for free from your time. And every entrepreneur he gets to show the software to goes, oh my God, I get to take this off my shoulders and, and make it an automated thing. And now he gets to amplify his work to help people realize dreams with entrepreneurs every single day. And selling RFP software yeah. doesn't yeah. jump out to say that. But that's how we found it. And yeah. it's so powerful to see. So I love the, um, huh. uh, this, this is a nugget for all of you guys who are out there selling anything. Um, you can go your whole career and not find what Joseph just now revealed. So Joseph, um, I call that a lot of things, uh, but really to me, it's selling from your true identity. Mm. Uh, behind me, I don't know if you can see the sword over my yeah. shoulder there. Uh, that used to be the way that I thought I had to approach sales. So like I have to be the, this warrior here, like that's what, because that was, um, for the longest time to go along with what we were talking about, like who we hire, mm. well, we're hiring those people. So you must become those in, in, and, and I've, I twisted myself into that to succeed, but it wasn't who I was. And in the moment that I have, uh, I have uh, little stickers around here. The moment that I learned to become the joyful farmer, the job got easier. It got more fun. I sold a whole lot more. And so showing up as yourself and you helping this guy uh, inter literally become, dude, you can be an enabler of dreams. You can show up as yourself. And that's actually where you win, dude. I, I love the, uh, you get a gold star for, <laughs> for, for that one in, in my book. All right. So you, so you help them to see their, you, what, what do you do practically? Are there any skills polishing or are there any connections with companies that you would do? Like what, what happens next? Yeah. So, uh, over the course of our whole program, these are themes that we hit again and again, because it's not just, Hey, a 30 minute workshop and then you've got it. You're off to the races. These are, these are hard things. Uh, a lot of people have never asked themselves that question. You know, what's, what's their inner motivator? What's their why? And they need to take a few stabs at it. So we do a lot of workshopping, a lot of practicing. We do a lot of interview practice, like fake interviews where we sit down around the room. We're like, Hey, okay, we're going to practice this question. Like, why do you want to work for my company? <laughs> and we go around and we practice it because folks often have just never thought to ask that. Um, what we also do is we do a lot of question practice on the questions they can ask. And we bring in a ton of guest speakers to help them practice that. So, so like a good example, <clears throat> often, if you're interviewing at a, an earlier stage company, you'll have an interview with the CEO. So we bring in a lot of founders and CEOs to give people a safe space to ask questions about the business, about the direction, you know, push the boundaries on what's a comfortable question. And, Learn how to ask a challenging question with a straight face, without feeling defensive. Because uh, the reality, if you, if you ask a founder, you know about the equity structure, about compensation, about investment vision, they love talking about it. But you don't need to apologize for it. You could just ask. Mm. So we practice a lot of that stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, so I used to train a lot of people 
and Canada and not to, you know, like, but that was a Canadian problem that I had with my Canadian people. Oh, sorry. Uh, that was like, they would, they would ask a question or they would, they would do something that was, yeah, that was good. And then they would, there was the immediate apology. Um, that's not, it's not, uh, relegated only to Canadians, but you guys are a little nicer. Let's just, let's just be honest about that. It's um, totally true. I'm, I'm sorry that we're so polite. <laughs> Um, so like, give me, what are the top things that you feel like, uh, maybe we're, maybe we're doing wrong. So other than, other than not entering in with confidence and knowing who we are and maybe questions, are there, are there a couple of things where you're like, Hey, avoid this, or here's, here are some bumpers that you like avoid this or definitely do that. Do you have a couple where you could, maybe there's someone listening right now that's about to get on a zoom appointment interview right sure. now. Is there, yeah. So, uh, let me kind of break it down as opposed to the kind of fuzzy big picture things, just some of the practical punch list things. Uh, a large part of what we actually practice is just getting people really comfortable using Zoom effectively. It's silly little things. We've got this huge checklist that we get them to practice, not, not because they have to be an expert at all of it, but how do you get used to using a checklist and being on top of the like, sales is really about just getting all those details ticked off, work the process, work the system. So things like, I mean, people who are listening in won't see it, but it's like, hey, am I centered in the camera or am I like right down by <laughs> I look like I'm cut off. Uh, you know, am, am I actually looking at the camera or is the camera off to the side? And yeah, am I, is there lighting? If, if in this interview, I'm going to have to share a presentation, is it already up? Have I hidden all my tabs? Is my desktop chaotic? Have I avoided having like really personal photos up on the computer when I share my screen? <laughs> These sound like simple things, but if you're in a sales role already, or you're a leader, yeah, you, you know how to do these things, but we'll get people in who just, no one's ever mentioned it to them. So we've seen people going into an interview and it's on zoom and like zoom has a mobile app. And so now they've got like a, a vertical shaky video because they're walking downtown while they've got it. And they don't even know that that's not seen as appropriate or professional for an interview. Right. I've, I've, we've had members who join our classes and we uh, were curious. It's like, why in every class are they lying sideways on their bed with the laptop, you know, kind of facing them. And only later do we learn, well, they're doing it because they're recovering from a back injury and they're in this program because they want to get out of the factory floor and into tech <clears> sales. <throat> and so just equipping them with the language, like, oh, hey, uh, I'm lying down because I'm dealing with this, not representative of, of how I'd work day to day, but letting you know, or, Hey, I've got the kids here today because my partner is traveling. So they may jump in and just that idea of managing expectations. Um, so yeah, if folks are listening in the things I'd highlight would be, uh, be, be a little bit finicky about your, your zoom setup, because if you're not in person, there's so little they can judge you on. They're going to judge your zoom. And then the second thing is just over communicate and manage expectations. Cause again, they don't see everything that's around behind you. So letting them know if things might pop up or change, it's going to save you a ton of heartache and they'll appreciate it. Well, and I, lo I love the idea that you're teaching people to ask questions. If you're on zoom yeah. in, you know, if you're in real life, you can't like you could, but it's a little weird if you pull out like this, this, this notebook full of questions and start asking, but you could literally tape this next to your camera or wherever on your desk and, and then have a reminder. You can have your questions listed right out in front of you. You could be totally ready to, to crush this thing. Love it. Love you, it. You, you talked about the notebook, but even that, I mean, if you, 
so again, people can't see, but if I'm looking down on the camera, you can't tell, like, am I browsing my phone or am I typing? But even just at the beginning saying, Hey, I've got a notebook with some questions and I'm going to be taking some notes. Right. So if you see me looking off, that's why. Like, yeah. I'm not watching a Netflix episode while we're in the interview. I'm, I'm taking notes. Uh, I just realized I probably should have told you at the, at the beginning of the interview. Uh, oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we talked about the pen and the battery. We're good. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Cool. Just, just want to make sure. Cool. I love it. Well, um, man, I, I love what you're doing to help people to, to, to realize their dream of stepping into something that allows them to, uh, to live in freedom, right? The, the whole, and I think sales is really that beginning level of being an entrepreneur, you know, and being a business owner. It's, it's at, it's at level one. I don't want to say level one, but it's like, it's like definitely, Without a cell, there is no uh, there, there is no startup. There's there's not doesn't exist without without sales. Um, if you could say one thing to the salespeople who are out there, maybe they're maybe they're just beginning, maybe they've been in it for a while. Um, what 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 advice would you give to them uh, so they've got the job they're doing it? Like how to conduct themselves or, or or how like just speak to the salespeople, speak to the heart of salespeople for a minute. Yeah, uh, this isn't related to what we've talked about before. Uh, so it's a bit of a, a left turn. What I'd actually say is uh, take some time to get to know a marketer and what have they gone through for the last decade? And the reason why, the reason why is what marketing went through over the last decade, you know, from it being an art to a science and everything is measured way too much and it's creepy, that change is coming to sales. The best sales leaders see it's coming and are getting their teams ready. The ones who don't see it are going to get left in the dust. And if you, as a sales professional, can understand all that change and agony that a marketer went through and how are they successful now, even if you just can empathize with that and think about how that applies to your work, when everything is measured and that's how you're going to be evaluated, if you get in the right mindset, it is going to unlock so much for you. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, guys. It's a good thing. And if, if we see it that way. Joseph, thank you for freeing people up, man. Uh, tell us where we can where we can connect with you, where we can see, uh, where we can, you know, all of all of all of what you have to offer, man. Where where can we find out about Uvaro? Like, what's the give us the lowdown? Yeah, best best place is to hit us up on our website, Uvaro U V A R O dot com. Uh, our YouTube channel. We ship a ton of our content, and anybody who's hitting our demo competitions gets featured there. So if you're hiring talent, you can check it out. But if people want to connect with me, I'm pretty accessible. Most social media platforms, all Joseph Fung, one word, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, hit me up. Happy to chat. Joseph, thanks for helping us to crush it today and to be free of the code, right? To uh, to, to realize that we're not limited uh, to our zip code. We can take our talent anywhere. And uh, thank you for doing that, dude. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure, Donnie. Anytime.